Go ahead and take your Bibles to uh, Mark chapter number 9. Mark chapter number 9. You can also turn to Matthew chapter number 5. So Mark chapter number 9 and Matthew chapter number 5. We're going to look at two verses this evening before we start. And uh, I want to say thanks uh, publicly. It's an honor to be able to stand up here behind this pulpit and preach. And uh, don't take that lightly. And I pray that it can be a blessing to you this evening. Mark chapter number 9, Matthew chapter number 5. We'll start in Mark chapter number 9 and verse number 50. Mark chapter number 9 and verse number 50. And then uh, we'll, we'll turn over to Matthew chapter number 5 and read a verse there. Verse number 50, the Bible says, Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will you reason it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace one with another. Now over to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5, verse number 13. Verse number 13, the Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Let's have a word of prayer this evening. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to preach. And Lord, I just pray that you would uh, fill me with your spirit, Lord, that you'd help me to say exactly what you'd have me to. Lord, help us to be a challenge tonight and a, and a blessing to our people. And uh, Lord, we do pray for our pastor as he's away from us, Lord, and preaching down in uh, Florida there. I pray, Lord, that you'd just fill him with power. Lord, help him to be the blessing to the people there and bring him back safely to us. But Lord, just give us a good night tonight. And Lord, just uh, looking at the word of God and maybe learning something from it and being challenged by it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I was uh, <clears throat> spending uh, several weeks back uh, uh, in my Bible reading, was, uh, came across these verses here that we just read this evening, and the thought began to, something I began to meditate on and think on, was the fact of uh, what does it mean whenever the salt has lost its saltness or its savor? Uh, and the Bible tells us to be the salt of the earth and, and you know, no, knowing a little bit about salt and probably not fully paying attention in science class and other things like that that I should have, uh, had to do some research on it and start looking at it because I, I guess I've never answered that question for myself of wondering what it really means for salt to lose its savor. I, I don't know about you all, but uh, our, uh, our spice cabinet is filled with all sorts of different things. Uh, and uh, recently, in the last, uh, I don't know, year or so ago, something like that, we went through our spice cabinet, and we got one of those as-seen-on-TV things that get you, you know, in the advertisements, but this one actually worked. It was one of those uh, spice rack things that go around the edges of a cabinet, a normal cabinet, so you can do multiple levels and put spices on multiple levels. Because the problem with spices is they all look the same. You know, when you're looking in there, you just see a bunch of tops that all look the same and, you know, you're digging through it and you don't know what you got. Uh, Then you go buy, you know, some more uh, uh, parsley or oregano and you realize you had five of them in your spice cabinet. And uh, some of y'all, if you went home and checked some of your expiration dates on your your, uh, spices, would probably be shocked by it a little bit. Uh, I definitely was. They were celebrating, some of them were celebrating our wedding anniversary with us. And uh, I was like, well, what about that? And uh, so uh, either way, you know, and some of them had gotten exposed 
to moisture or other things like that and had turned into a rock inside of the bottle and uh, wasn't good for anything at that point. And we, we cleaned it out, went through it. But tonight, I want to kind of focus in a little bit on, on salt. And I want to try and give us a, uh, using a couple of illustrations, looking at the definition, online definition of salt, looking at some uses for salt, uh, talking about some different things. And then jumping into our illustration here and, and trying to point some things out to us from the Word of God and trying to be a challenge to you. Um, but as I was reading this, I was, I was curious of thinking on the fact of, of salt losing its savor and losing its saltness and what that means. And uh, looking up online, you'll find all sorts of stuff because we know everything online is true. And, uh, and uh, you know, you ain't got to worry about it not being right or anything like that. But I uh, but, uh, started looking up just some uses for salt. I'm going to try and just read through these quickly. Don't, don't you know, lose me on this. But uh, just some different uses for salt. So salt around the home. Uh, keep artificial and natural flowers in place inside of a vase. Uh, refresh artificial flowers. Clean flower residue from vases. Restore a sponge and make it last longer. Uh, keep wicker looking new. Put out a fire. Uh, deodorize your trainers and other shoes. And that may be a blessing to some, uh, especially if you got a teenage boy or something and his room's been smelling. Uh, remove lipstick uh, marks from glassware. Get your fish tank sparkling again. Prevent your new towels from fading in the wash. Uh, Drip-proof your tapered candles. Remove uh, grass stains. It's a uh, health and beauty uses. It's a natural alternative to mouthwash. Uh, extend uh, the use of your disposable toothbrush. Exfoliate your skin as a natural dandruff treatment. Uh, ease your sore throat and then cleaning with salt. Remove tea and coffee stains from mugs. Uh, clean your fridge. Clean a dirty broom. Refresh your chopping boards. Get rid of watermarks on wooden furniture. Clean your pots and pans, dissolve a drain blockage, uh, clean the metal plate on your iron, uh, then use for salt in the kitchen, speed up cooking time, keep your salad nice and crisp, uh, keep milk fresh for longer, quick and easy deshelling of uh, nuts and almonds, things like that, test the freshness of an, of an egg, uh, remove stubborn food odors from your hands, clean dirty salad leaves quicker, easy peel eggs, prevent chopped fruit from browning too quickly, boil a, a potato better. Uh, whipped eggs, whites, and double cream quicker. Cook poached eggs like a pro. Extend the life of your cheese. There's using salt outside to keep your wind car windscreen frost-free in the winter. Get rid of plant-destroying snails and slugs. Y'all been done that before. You go outside for a slug and just pour a bunch of salt on it and watch what happens. That's a lot of fun. <laughs> Easily entertained right here. That's, that's, a, that's a good time. <clears throat> Stop weeds from growing between your patio slabs. Ant repellent, instant pain relief from a bee sting. Make a quick pre-stain treatment when you're out. Uh, ease an itch, itchy mosquito bite. Stop poison ivy in its tracks. Uh, and then wide-scale uses, highway de-icing, agriculture, paper manufacturing, and industrial chemicals. That's a, not an exhaustive list, but it shows all the different uses that we can have for salt and how much it's actually used today. Looking up online uh, from, uh, from a NASA article or something like that was, uh, here's a definition for salt, and some of, this, some of y'all, may, this makes sense to you, some of y'all may not. I get lost in the numbers of this. Some of y'all that are good with numbers and stuff are like, that's really cool. And uh, so, you know, some of y'all may lose you on this and some may not. But chemically, table salt consists of two elements. You got sodium and chloride. And uh, neither element occurs separately and free in nature, but are found bound together as a compound sodium chloride. It occurs naturally in many parts of the world as the mineral halide and as mixed evaporates in salt lakes. 
Seawater contains an average of 2.6% by weight of sodium chloride or 78 million metric tons per cubic kilometer, an inexhaustible supply. And then table salt, when viewed with a magnifying glass, can be seen to consist of tiny cube-shaped flakes. Okay, so looking up online and starting to study about it, I, I learned a lot about salt, some things I didn't know, some things I didn't know. But in trying to figure this out about salt losing its saltness or losing its savor, I started doing some, some more studying in it. And, and to me, my, just my thoughts on it before I ever started uh, uh, really doing some studying in it, I, to me, I mean, if I opened salt that was been buried and it's 10,000 years old, you know, or 8,000 years old or 5,000 years old, I'm going to expect that it's going to be, taste like salt. And the truth is, if you look it up, and salt does not have an expiration date. So I'm sitting here and thinking, what, so what does it mean for salt to lose its saltness or its, or its, or its, or, uh, or its savor? And in this, understand that the elements that, are, that make up salt, they're very happy to exist together. They're like the perfect marriage. They're like the perfect couple for each other. And it's, and it's very difficult for them to, uh, they, they love existing together and making up what they are. But understand for salt to lose its savor, to lose its saltness, and, and studying this out, an outside force has to be applied in order for it to lose its savor. Now this is where our illustration comes in tonight, and I want to try and help us visualize something and try and help you out. Got just regular old table salt here, and if I took a spoonful of it here on this spoon, and I filled it nice and full and a little heaping, and I said, who's ready for a taste? You want to take a big spoonful of salt? I had one little boy in the service this morning raise his hand like, I'll do it. I'm ready. <laughs> Nobody wants to take a, take a, a, a spoonful of salt like this, Okay. But if I poured it in this glass of water right here and mixed it around, how many of us have done this? We've gargled with salt water. That salt that was on the spoon becomes a little more tolerable in your mouth, but you don't want to drink it. Am I right? Nobody's just sipping this like, like iced tea. Okay. Now, I've done this in another experiment with it. If I take that same spoonful of salt and I pour it inside this three-gallon jug, and you take a drink of that water, you don't even know it's there. And for salt to, listen to me, for salt to lose its savor, and I want to use this as our illustration tonight, for salt to lose its savor, it has to be diluted with something else in order for it to lose its savor. For it to lose its saltness, for it to lose its effectiveness as what it's supposed to be, of what is the use of what it's what it what it's what it's asked to be and what it's made to be. For it to lose that, another outside force has to be introduced, and it has to be diluted. And I tried this. I poured a, t a spoonful of salt in this, and I took shook it up and took a drink of it. And you have no idea there's salt inside of this thing. It's diluted down. Church, this is what the Lord wants us to be. 
And using some illustrations tonight, I'm going to look at some things that whenever we get diluted down in our Christian life, whenever we get diluted with the things of this world, we're no longer what God's wanting us to be. This is what we're trying to salt with. We're diluted down with the things in this whole world. And we sit there and we may wonder, we say, why, why don't I have any power? Why ain't I seeing God doing things in my family? Why ain't I seeing God do things with me? And maybe the problem is we're so diluted down with some things in this world that you don't even know there's salt there. Let's look at some things tonight that, that, that can dilute us down as Christians in our Christian walk and, and try, try and point out some things and talk about some things tonight to help you that can easily dilute us down if we're not careful. Turn over to 1 John chapter number, chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. get to it here in a second if I can quit passing by it. There we go. 1 John chapter number 2, verse number 15. The Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The first thing here, chief and foremost, that, that can dilute us down as Christians is a love for this world. Let me, let me help you and remind you again that Satan has been doing what he's been doing for a very long time. He knows what he's doing. He knows the weaknesses. He knows uh, 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 how to, how to get, make things look flashy, how things to make them, make them look good. He knows what the lust of the flesh is. He knows what the lust of the eyes is. He knows what the pride of life is. And he's going to dangle those things in front of you and try and get those things involved in your life. So now that God's asking us to be the salt of the earth and we're, we should be the salt of the earth, now we're trying to do this Christian life diluted down with the things of this old world. And going around and saying, here, you want some salt? Here, you want some salt? I'm pretty sure that if I walked up to your table and this is what I was carrying for a salt shaker, you'd be scooting back from the table real quick. But the sad thing is I truly believe that many of us as Christians are trying to do this Christian life in the power of our own flesh and are not experiencing the power of God on us because we're so deluded down with the different things in the world. The love of this world, things like maybe music. Music is something that I will mention uh, 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 for now until, until I, uh, uh, I die. The reason being, and it, it's passion on my heart, is because as a teenager, I got into listening to music. I got into listening to country and some rock music and some rap music and some other things like that. The main thing for me was country. I was the type of kid that enjoyed going to church. That light going in and sitting down and, and listening to the preaching and singing the, the hymns and singing out. And when I started listening to that stuff, that country music and those other things I started listening to, it's amazing, I'd come into church and I didn't want to sing anymore. And I would sit through a service and I'd 
roll my eyes and feel like, man, that preacher don't know what he's talking about. And I hated preaching. And I hated those types of things. But you know what was in my car? Because I'm, you know, just wanted to look like a really spiritual teenager. You went to all the presets in my car. is 89.3 FM, W-I-T-J, Will You Trust Jesus? A ministry of Bethel Baptist Church in Linton, Indiana. And if you went through every one of my presets on my car, it was 89.3 FM. Why? Because Brother Zach, I just, people, when they got my car, that's listening to the hymns of the faith and preaching, and that's not what I was listening to. Hiding it from mom and dad, lying to my mom and dad about it, and it about destroyed me. So I, I ask you, because sometimes I think if we're not careful, and I've seen this happen with Christians before, sometimes we want to sit there and we say, yeah, get on those teenagers about that music. Hey, mom, hey, dad, what's in your vehicle? What are you playing? Just because, just because you're past a certain age doesn't mean, oh, well, sin's okay now. Well, I can handle this now. It, don't, it won't affect me like, like it did my, whenever in my teenage years. No, it'll affect you just the same. And I, I hate that old music. It comes back. And I'm finding out, I was, I was actually reading an article about it recently. They're targeting my age group now in the stores. And they're playing the music I used to listen to in the stores because it makes you want to stay in the store longer. They, they got all this advertising stuff down to it. They know what they're doing. And I walk to those stores and I catch myself right back at it, singing, those, singing those, those lyrics. It comes back. I don't get to press a delete button on it. It's there. It's all part of it. And if we're not careful, you say, Brother Ross, well, what, what, what type of, of music should I listen to? Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 19 says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to who? The Lord. To realize that you're singing to Jehovah God, to realize that you're singing praises to Him and make sure that your music lifts Him up. I've told, our, I've told our teenager before, if you're riding in a vehicle with someone and they put on the wrong type of music, you tell them, say, either turn that off or you pull over this vehicle or you call my mom and dad. I ain't listening to that. But sadly, some of my influence came through, through cut, riding with a cousin and I didn't have the gall to stand up and say that. And riding with brothers and other things like that and other influences like that. And if we're not careful, we'll start listening to those types of things. And we say, man, I wonder, I just, I just don't like listening to preaching anymore. I just don't like singing. What are you deluded down with? What's, what's got your heart? Because if you're walking with the Lord and you're spending time with the Lord and you're listening to the right type of music, man, there's joy sitting in this auditorium. Man, you can't help but sing. You can't help but just join in with it. And maybe every once in a while get a tear on your eyes. We're singing about the blood and we're singing about what Jesus did for us. And we're, bam. To get to sit in an auditorium like this and watch someone walk an aisle and get saved. Man, there's joy in that. And there's some of you that that wouldn't even crack a smile for you. And I ask, what are you deluded with? Why wouldn't that? We're supposed to be the salt. Moving on in our appearance, our clothing, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, says, What know ye not that your body 
is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The Bible still says in Deuteronomy 22.5, The woman should not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination to the Lord thy God. We just went over some, some clothing things in our, our uh, teen Sunday school hour this past, uh, this past week. And in the lessons there, it said it should be unquestionably gender specific, unquestionably modest, and unquestionably Christian. And if you go to your, to your clothing, you go into your closet, and you should be able to pass all three of those tests with everything that you have. Let me say this, church, as a, as a young man, I want to I just say something that I'm happy about, and this may, may upset some, but something I'm very happy about as a young man growing up, I, I'm thankful I, my grandpa started our church. I'm thankful I got to grow up in Christian school and got to go to church my whole life, and I'm thankful for it. I was going to church nine months before I was born. And I'm thankful in my recollection I can never remember being out and about at a Walmart or anywhere else. And we lived in a small town. You ran into people a lot. Being out and about and ever going, so-and-so from our church, they're out wearing that. But they wear this on Sunday and they're someone different on Monday. They, They wear this on Wednesday night and yet they'll walk out in that on Thursday. I, I don't know what that would have done for me as a, as a young man, as a child, to see that type of... I, I don't know what that would have done to my, my mind. I'm thankful I never had to see it. Does God got, does, does God got that? Or are we diluted down with some things? Have we, met, have we just decided to make some things? Are you the same person on Sunday that you are on Monday? Does God got you every day? And if we're not careful, I, I read a post, my, my wife posted something, I went to the main page of it just because I knew it was going to be controversial amongst Christians. It was talking about modesty. And I went to the main page of it. And the craziest thing, people are, are, it's crazy how the mind works sometimes. One of the ladies commented on there in talking about modesty. She was like, well, the problem with what, what we found is that the definition for modesty up in the Northwest and the definition for modesty down in Florida is just different. So we found that we could let wear less and it was still considered modest down in Florida. And I was like, I, my brain can barely even process something like that. How, how ridiculously unbiblical that is. It's hard to process. And I ask you, say, church, this is what God wants us to be. Is this what you are? Every day of the week. Say, well, I, I, man, I just, we're, we're, we're struggling in our family and we're struggling in some other areas. Maybe there's some dilution that's gotten in. Maybe there's some things that have gotten in, crept in, maybe unawares. And I challenge you that you would beg God and say, God, would you point it out to me? Would you, would you show me what it is? In entertainment, in Psalms 101 verse 3, it says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. We can go to work and our friends may find us shocked to be Christians. Listen to me. Some may visit our social media page and find no evidence of a Christian at all. Let me park here for a second because I am actually absolutely appalled at people that call themselves Christians, what they allow on their Facebook pages. 
and they put on their Instagram pages. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable to me. And you put those types of things out there for the whole world to see. And I, it's diluted. The, the, the unbiblical quotes and the wickedness and all this empowerment, different things they share and stuff. And I'm like, have you not filtered anything through the word of God? Have you not filtered anything through that? When people visit your, your social media page, it should be shining bright. Man, this person's a Christian. They attend a good church, and they're not afraid to show someone that, that, that they're a Christian. I mean, share pictures of your family here and there and share different things like that. But, man, if, you're, if, 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 if you visit someone's Facebook page and it's like, I, it's amazing. And maybe we need to do checkups on those things. And maybe we need to look at those types of things. Because the world looks at us and they say, you listen to what I listen to. And you dress like I dress. And you watch what I watch. And you share what I share. And we sit here and say, man, I can't get someone to come to church with me. And I can't get someone to, I haven't been able to lead someone to the Lord. And I, I haven't seen this. And I haven't seen God's touch in my life. And we're struggling in our family. And we're struggling in these different things. And I say, you're deluded. God wants us to be the salt. And we've let some things crept in unawares. Turn to Colossians chapter number 3. I want to look at some other things here. Colossians chapter number 3. In here, it's a, it's a, I've used this with our teenagers before too. It's a good, uh, I believe, chapter for Christians to visit often. We see some things that we're supposed to mortify and kill as, as, uh, as believers and things that we should put off from us and things that we should put on also as Christians and should be seen. We'll look at some of these verses in verse number five. It says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Verse number eight, but now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. And then on down in verse number 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. In this, just looking through this list of maybe some things we're supposed to mortify or, 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 or put off, the first thing being uncleanness. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through, uh, through 17, the Bible says, but as he which had called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Christian, I want to challenge you with something to, 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 to do this maybe this week sometime or maybe this evening sometime, to, to just spend some time and meditate on the fact of really how holy God is. I mean, really think about it. Really think about the fact and, and ask God to challenge your heart about the fact of how holy and righteous our God is. You know what it'll make you do? It'll make you start spending some time with, with God and say, God, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, God, like David said in, in Psalms 51, created me a clean heart. Forgive my transgressions. It would start making us start looking inwardly and honestly looking at ourselves and saying something like, hey, God, 
Have I been deluded with something? Am I trying to be this salt? Is this, is this what I'm trying to go out in the power of? Am I deluded with the things of this world? Am I deluded with the things, with the cares of this world and the wickedness of this world and the unrighteousness of this world and maybe some other things like that? And God, would you point it out to me? I come to you humbly and it will humble you real quick of getting, coming up to our Lord and realizing that He wants us to be holy like He's holy. That's overwhelming. I don't know about you. I've been meditating on this the last couple of days and uh, honestly, I spend some time off to myself and just, just beg God and ask God, say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm nothing compared to you. I just want to be used by you. I want to, and, and, it, and it makes you spend some really quality time of not looking saying, well, God, you really need to help so-and-so. And God, you need to help this person over here. And man, you really need to help this family. But start looking at really the issue of the problem, me and you. And getting down to the nitty-gritty. And, and, and I think if we're not careful, we can almost look at ourselves and being like, well, I'm not, I'm not that bad. I mean, Brother Ross, it's Wednesday night, and I'm here at church. What more do you expect of me? I sing the hymns, or most of them. I mean, I give my tithe. And if we're not careful, I think sometimes we can almost really start getting a really high and mighty opinion of ourselves and looking at ourselves like we're something. And reality, we need to come humbly before our Lord and really realize what we are, what we've come from, and what we've been saved from. And it will change a whole perspective on things and realizing that, hey, in your holiness, in your cleanness, not just on Sunday. What about Monday? Is this what you're being? Salt? Or does the world and those that come in contact with you have no idea that salt's even involved? Because we're so deluded down with things in this old world. Continuing on, inordinate affection. Leviticus 18.22 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is abomination. In this day and age, we are bombarded with wickedness on all sides. And sadly, I believe we've become even apathetic to things that God calls an abomination. If I would have stood up here, if I would stand up here 20 years ago and said a man with a man, a woman with a woman, there would have been an audible groan across the, across the auditorium. Oh, no. No way. And now, sometimes we look at it as not that bad. Now, sometimes we even have it on our streaming platforms, playing in our homes, where the character in it is the sodomite. And they're always the funniest, and they're always the favorite. Well, they're only in there for a few minutes, so we can, we'll be okay, because I really like this show. So that's more important than letting something in that God calls abominable. And then we sit here and say, man, I just just haven't been having much power. You're deluded. There's some things that have crept in. There's some things that have come in. 
And listen, it's, 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 it's this way for me. Sometimes we're, we're, we're so bombarded. I mean, it's, not, it's normal to walk down to Walmart and see same sex walking in holding hands. It's normal. We see it all the time. We're bombarded with it. In advertisements and now in all the, basically every movie and every <laughs> cartoons now. And we're bombarded with it on every side. And we're letting these types of things come into our lives and we're allowing them into our homes and we're deluded down and we say, man, why am I losing my family? Why, why am I losing my kids? Why don't they look at it as abominable like God looks at it? Well, maybe we're the ones that have let it in and deluded down our own homes so that our kids are starting to look at it in that way. Another thing that we could look at is anger. In James chapter number 1, verses 19 through 20, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. This is something that uh, hits close to home for me. And if uh, you don't know me very well, and I've admitted this to, uh, you know, talking with our teenagers and other stuff like that, I can have a very easy temper. I can get angry at a drop. I can talk someone down with my words real quick in my anger. Say things that I wouldn't normally say or foolish things if I'm not careful about keeping control of my, of my temper, of my anger. And it's something that I ask God to help me with and I really try and be, be conscious of because I don't, I don't want to be an angry person. I, I like having fun. I like laughing about things. I like doing the right type of things in that. But if we're walking around with an angry testimony all the time, I saw, I saw a, uh, it was supposed to be a funny picture, but it, it's, uh, it was obviously an older couple and uh, they were getting out of church on a Sunday morning and it said at the bottom, getting ready to go down and verbally abuse my waitress. And I, I sit there and I'm like, man, that kind of hits close to home because people do that a lot. And it's not old people that do it. It could be all of us getting impatient with things and I, I, the Lord tested my, my uh, anger today a little bit. I had a doctor's appointment, and they skipped past me, and I wasn't able to go to get, get in. I had to reschedule it, and they got to reschedule it for like a month out because they're so busy, and I, I could feel it. I could feel it boiling up a little bit. Like, I should be treated like a VIP. You should get me in here like tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what's the sense in losing my testimony? This person may be lost and on their way to hell. And if they just see the same type of anger maybe that's in their home, that's lost, in someone like me, what do I want that for? Uh, recently, we dealt with something with our son. And our, you know, our son, I know a lot of you may think that he's cute. And I've heard people like, no, he's perfect. And I'm like, well, come live with us for a little bit. Because um, he's just like a sinner, just like everybody else. Uh, he's three. And he is a good boy. But... Uh, but we, we, were, we were having a rough night, an evening, and we got to the end of the evening, and I put, I put him down, I think, for bed, and I come in and told my wife, I just said, I can't do this again. I said, I feel like I have went through the most stressful day that I have ever been through by dealing with him for this evening, and I've raised my voice to him, expected him to do things, and I didn't take care of it biblically, 
how God tells us to take care of it and take care of it the first time. And I, I, was, I was wrong in that. And I told my wife, I said, I, we cannot, I can't do this again. I can't have another night like this. And I told her, I said, I am not going to be a yelling, angry dad. I don't want that for my boy. And God dealt with me in that right there. And as, as best I can, man, every once in a while kids really test that. Make you want to raise your voice. Make you want to really take. But do you deal with anger? What do they hear in your home? What do your neighbors hear? What does someone down the way hear? We may be, they may look at it and say, you're, you're, you're just like I am. You're... You're deluded with the same type of things that I am. Aren't you supposed to be different? Maybe it's in filthy communication. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The filthy jokes, the filthy language, it just dilutes the salt, and the world sees no difference. Let me, let me fill you in on something. Those filthy jokes aren't funny. And that filthy language isn't Christ-honoring. And you should stay away from it. And you should call people out that, that would want to share things like that. It don't matter if you're a teenager or a kid or if you're 60 years old. We should call it what it is. This next one talking about lying. Proverbs chapter number 12, verse number 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. And I truly believe, and I don't use this word lightly because of 2020, but I truly believe that we have an epidemic of lying going on amongst Christians today. And we've categorized lies. We've said, well, it's just a little white lie. Go to the doctor's office, how much you weigh? You go to the DMV, how much you weigh? 180. In this leg. No, and we laugh about that because we know, you know that's kind of what things happen. But that's still a lie. God calls it abominable. You realize you're living abominably to the Lord when you lie. I've had young people lie to me before. I've watched them do something and then they, I approach them on it. And then they lie to me right to my face. What's really scary is the ones that are comfortable in doing it. Don't be a liar. Kids, don't be a liar. Teenagers, don't be a liar. Young adults, don't be a liar. Older people, don't be a liar. <laughs> Why? Because God calls it an abomination. Your testimony's worth more than that. God wants us to be this. And if you're going to be lying and things like that, you're not going to be this. This is what you are. And me having an effect in this world and be able to do something for Christ is a whole lot more important than some dumb little white lie that we like to categorize, categorize it like. Lying. Is it a problem? Oh, this is a big one. Turn over to James chapter number 3. We want to read some verses here and I'll be done soon. I understand this is a bit of an uncomfortable message. God did a work in my heart, in my Bible reading in it. And I hope we can just maybe look inwardly at some things and get some things taken care of if we can. Verse number 9 of James chapter number 3, the Bible says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. 
Out of the same mouth proceeding blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so, so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine fig? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from, from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. You got bitterness? You got envy, strife, discord among the brethren? It ought not to be. Man, if you don't get that, that root of bitterness taken care of, listen to me, if you don't get that bitterness taken care of in your life, it'll destroy you. I've watched people come into a church that, are, that, that it's like a dark cloud comes over them as they come in. You can see it on their face. You can see it in their health. You can see it in their body language that they are overwhelmed with a root of bitterness. You won't, go, you won't walk over to the other side of a church because you may run into so-and-so over here. God help us. You won't call that family member on the phone. Had a brother cut and stop on the way out of the door this morning crying, and he told me, he said, Monday, he said, I haven't talked to my, to my brother-in-law in years. And he said, I went out with him on Monday, and he said, it feels so good to just put that behind me. He said, some dumb family quarrel. He said, it wasn't even him. But we were on opposite sides because a family quarrel happened. So we were against each other. And he said, I've lost all these years. And he said, it feels so good to finally just talk to him and fellowship with him. And if we're not careful, that same thing will happen in the walls of, this, of our own church. You'll let some foolish root of bitterness. That's... It's not godly, it's devilish. That's where it comes from. That's where it proceeds from. It's from Satan himself. And it just is to come in and dilute down the church from what it's supposed to be accomplishing and doing. Put that stuff behind you. Get rid of that hatred. Get rid of that bitterness. Ask God to make you sold again. Have you lost your savor? Now in this, I, I understand it's, it's been a little bit hard and you say, man, that's, that's a little depressing. <laughs> How do we get the saltiness back? In my experimenting with this, and I had some fun doing that, I'll be honest. Poured the salt in here. We couldn't really taste it. You can taste it in this. I took a pot of water and I put it on the stove and I poured water in it. And I put salt in it. And I turned the heat up. And I left it. Once that water boiled away, you know what I was left with? Salt. You don't have to be diluted down with things. You can get back to exactly what God's asking you to be. But it has to be your decision. You can't sit here tonight and say, well, I hope so-and-so's listening over there. They really need it. God help you. You're the one that needs it. Go look in the mirror. And if we turn the heat up in our walk with the Lord and we turn the heat up in 
turning from our own wickedness, as it says in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. And First John chapter number 1, verse 9 is still true. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I ask you tonight, church, have you lost your savor? There may be some mom and daddies need to come up here and make some decisions for the family. There may be some that need to come up here individually and just say, God, search me. Know my heart. Create a clean heart in me. Why? Because I want to be what God intended to me for me to be and be the salt of the earth. If we're going to do something for him, this is what we need to be. Let's bow here and close our eyes. Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, uh, you laid this message on my heart. Lord, I just want to call sin, sin. Lord, I just want to bring glory and honor to you. And Lord, I just pray that you would move in a powerful way across our auditorium this evening. Lord, that uh, you wouldn't keep someone from, well, what would someone think if I went forward and dealt with the Lord? Or what would, what would this person think? Lord, I just pray that nonsense would be put aside and we would just deal with the Lord tonight. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would have free reign. Lord, help us to deal with us. Lord, not worry about anybody else, but to come up and Lord, to deal with exactly what we need to deal with in our lives. And Lord, most importantly, not just leave it here to take it home and that there would be a change and a difference in each and every home and each and every life. And Lord, we just want to bring glory and honor to you. Lord, help us to be the salt that we need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.